we have uh, with us today Raymond Baker, who is the Director of Global Financial Integrity and is a senior fellow at the Center for International Policy in Washington. He's the author of Capitalism's Achilles Heel, Dirty Money and How to Renew the Free Market System. This was cited in the uh, Financial Times as one of the best business books of 2005. He's an internationally respected authority on corruption, money laundering, growth and foreign policy issues, and he has quite a public presence, and we're very uh, happy to have him with us today. Raymond. Thank you, Teresa, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Delighted to be with you. Um, something is new on the global political economy agenda. What is new is illicit financial flows out of developing countries, uh, which is now recognized as a major impediment to development for uh, poorer countries. And at the same time, a major potential source of funding for development in the future if it can be successfully curtailed. Illicit money is money that is illegally earned, transferred, or utilized. If it breaks laws anywhere along the way, it, uh, it warrants the label illicit. Since the 1960s, we in the West have built an entire structure to facilitate the movement of illicit money across borders. There were a few elements of this structure available before the 1960s, but they were quite, uh, quite minor and not frequently used. The 60s marked the point at which this, uh, the development of this structure took off for two reasons. One, independence. There were 48 countries that gained their independence between the late 1950s and the end of the 1960s. And we serviced the desire for flight capital to move out of those countries with a great deal of creativity. Um, the second reason was the spread of multinational corporations, uh, which in that decade began to plant their flags all across the planet. But for these two reasons, decolonization and the spread of multinational corporations, that's when the, the thrust for the development of this system uh, took off. This global shadow financial system now comprises a number of elements. Tax havens. The issue of tax havens is very much uh, on the table in the G8 and the G20. Um, tax havens, of course, are places where you can set up entities and pass money through them without paying taxes. Many tax havens function as secrecy jurisdictions. That is to say, you can set up entities behind nominees and trustees such that no one knows who really owns the entity. Uh, these disguised corporations are now in the millions all across uh, the world. Um, Many of these disguised entities are equipped with what are called flea clauses, enabling those entities to flee from one jurisdiction to another in the event that anybody tries to find out who really owns uh, the entity. It can automatically move from one place to another. Um, anonymous trust accounts are part of this structure. Fake charitable foundations are part of this structure. Uh, falsified documentation is used in all sorts of trade and capital transactions. Falsified pricing in imports and exports is by far the most frequently used part of this structure. It's used almost every day by multinational corporations to manipulate VAT taxes, customs duties, and income taxes. 
Um, and then there are money laundering techniques uh, uh, to handle particular forms of, of um, um, illicit money. And finally, there are holes left in the laws of Western countries that enable money to move through this shadow financial system and ultimately into our own economies. Canada happens to have a very good anti-money laundering law, which says that any activity done abroad, if that activity would have been illegal, if the same activity was done in Canada, then it is illegal to knowingly handle the proceeds of that transaction. The United States, by comparison, is wide open to all kinds of criminal money uh, arriving from uh, abroad. When I wrote my book, Capitalism's Achilles Heel, I used a series of survey methods to make an estimate of the amount of illicit money flowing out of developing countries. Um, I won't go into an explanation of the, the, the survey methods, but I used a, a different method for each of the three components of this money, the, the component of bribery and theft, the component of criminal activity, and the, com the component of commercially uh, tax evading uh, money. And I made an estimate of 500 to $800 billion a year of illicit money shifting out of developing countries. We particularly like to focus on uh, the component of bribery and theft by government officials. Actually, in the cross-border flow of money, that is only about 3% of the global total. The criminal component is about 30 or 35% of the global total, and the commercially tax-evading component, in which we are primarily complicitous, is about 60 to 65% of the global total. Now, after my book was published and global financial integrity was formed, we decided that we wanted a much more sophisticated analysis of illicit money coming out of developing countries. So we hired an economist with 32 years experience with the IMF, and we turned him loose, gave him carte blanche to do anything he wanted to do. Dev Carr uh, decided to use two economic models that have been around for a long time, the World Bank residual method and IMF direction of trade statistics. These have been used by dozens of economists across uh, a lot of years. The World Bank residual method is an input-output analysis, and where inputs and outputs don't balance, you've got a, a strong indication of uh, unrecorded money passing out of the economy. Uh, the, world, uh, the IMF direction of trade statistics analyzes uh, trading patterns between all pairs of countries. You can uh, uh, look at exports out of Canada to Kenya and Kenyan imports from Canada, and where you see a significant difference that exceeds the freight and, and insurance component, then you've got a, uh, an indication of the mispricing of trade. We published this uh, um, uh, in a report entitled Illicit Financial Flows from Developing Countries 2002 to 2006, and it's on our website. In this uh, study, we make an estimate of $850 billion to a trillion dollars a year of illicit money shifting out of developing countries. We think this analysis is conservative. It does not include smuggling. I did in my work uh, for my book, but this analysis does not because this analysis is based on data that is available in balance of payments figures and in direction of trade statistics. 
It does not include the mispricing of trade that occurs within the same invoice as, a, as an agreement between the buyer and the seller. IMF Direction of Trade Statistics only picks up indications where a transaction has been re-invoiced along the way. It does not pick up uh, uh, trade in services and intangibles. Again, IMF Direction of Trade Statistics only looks at uh, trade of merchandise, not goods, uh, not uh, services and intangibles. And the estimate does not include countries that represent a third of the GDP of, uh, of Africa. Uh, if you added these eliminated, uh, these, these parts that are not within the estimate of $850 billion to a trillion, uh, we feel fairly confident of the figure of a trillion dollars a year. This is the most damaging economic condition hurting the poor. Now, I'm drawing a difference between economic conditions and uh, environmental or political conditions. But within the economic realm, nothing is so harmful to the poor as this massive outflow of money uh, from their uh, countries. It drains hard currency reserves, heightens inflation, reduces tax collection, cancels investment, undermines free trade. It leads to shorten lives for millions of people and deprived existences for billions more around the world. Now, fortunately, the issue is on the table. As I say, this is, uh, this is on the table. Norway has held three conferences in 2007 and 2008 addressing this uh, issue. Out of those three conferences, a task force on financial integrity and economic development has been formed, comprising 60 governments and uh, NGOs and uh, foundations. Germany has formed the International Tax Compact to address the needs of developing countries to improve their tax revenue bases. Spain is ascending to the presidency of the EU with tax as a major focus of its activities. The leading group based in Paris, the leading group on innovative sources of financing for development, uh, comprising almost 60 countries, is, um, uh, is focusing on illicit financial flows as one of the primary sources of funding for development in the future that it is addressing. Um, the, the World Bank held a conference last month focusing on illicit financial flows, drawing scholars from all around the world. And the G8 and the G20 have included uh, our terminology, illicit financial flows, in their last two communiques. So the issue is indeed um, on the table. But then the question becomes, what's the potential for change? Can anything be done uh, about uh, this uh, phenomenon? Um, the task force um, uh, that I mentioned has adopted uh, five priorities. A couple of comments before I address the uh, five priorities. Uh, number one, our goal is to curtail illicit financial flows out of developing countries. We're not trying to stop them. Stopping them would require uh, extremely harsh measures. Curtailing it can be done uh, um, uh, much more easily. And that's the second point. Curtailing simply requires some straightforward steps that are broadly adopted and consistently applied. Um, the task force priorities that we are focusing on 
uh, center around the concept of the need for greater transparency in the global financial system. And each of the priorities that we have adopted takes off from something that is already in existence. These are not brand new uh, concepts that we're foisting onto the world for the first time. The first priority that we have adopted is automatically exchanging tax information across borders. Uh, the US and Canada uh, automatically exchange tax information across uh, the border. The EU uh, has adopted what is called the Savings Tax Directive. The EU Savings Tax Directive requires the exchange of tax information within the EU um, um, if uh, German has an account in France that is interest-bearing, then France is obligated to report that interest income back uh, uh, to Germany. Um, this, this savings tax directive that requires the automatic exchange of tax information across borders is the model uh, that, that we recommend be adopted much, much more uh, broadly. Mexico has raised the same question with the United States. If the United States has these provisions with Canada, why not uh, with Mexico? The, <clears throat> the second priority that we have adopted is country-by-country country reporting by corporations and financial institutions. Right now, corporations report their results on a consolidated basis. There is no way that you can look at uh, consolidated accounts and tell how much money was earned in uh, Nigeria or Brazil or Indonesia or elsewhere. Country-by-country uh, country reporting um, would change that uh, picture. You would be able to get a, uh, a picture of sales, profits, and taxes earned uh, in other countries. This also is on the table. Uh, in the EU, um, the, um, there is a move underway to require country-by-country country reporting uh, by extractive industries. Uh, this uh, same proposal is before the International Accounting Standards Board in London. And we're perfectly happy to have this issue start with uh, the extractive industries, with the, uh, the, the hope that we can then extend it to also become a model for, um, for all corporations. Third priority that we have adopted is know the beneficial owners of every entity that does uh, activities across borders. Uh, as I said, there are millions of disguised entities where no one knows who owns them except uh, whoever was the company formation agent. Um, I uh, ask a um, I, I made a talk in New York not long ago, and um, a Wall Street banker in the back of the room said, uh, do you have any idea how much it would cost us to determine the beneficial ownership of all the accounts in our bank? And of course, the answer is it costs nothing. You put the shoe on the other foot. It's the responsibility of the account holder to tell you who are the beneficial owners of the account after proper notice. And six months later, if you haven't got it, you return the uh, proceeds of the account back to the last known address. This is a no-cost exercise. I'm amazed that institutions around the world do business without having any idea with whom they are doing business. Um, fourth priority that we have adopted is the curtailment of mispricing in uh, imports and exports, the curtailment of that major mover of illicit money, which is the mispricing of trade. 
Now this may sound like it's terribly complex. There are a lot of ways to go about this. I'll give you the simplest way to go about it. And that is two signatures on the commercial invoice of the transaction. The signature of the buyer and the signature of the seller, the importer and the exporter, uh, on a paragraph in the commercial invoice that says the price conforms to world market norms. There is no element of mispricing for the purpose of manipulating VAT taxes, customs duties, or income taxes. And there is no violation of the anti-money laundering laws, exchange control regulations, or banking statutes of any country where the transaction originates, through which it passes, or into which it arrives. Two signatures will curtail much of this. The goal is to curtail. You will not get multinational corporations conducting a conversation about how they're going to manipulate taxes and then ask those people to sign a document that they never had such a uh, transaction. The goal is to curtail. Two signatures will curtail the major mover of illicit money across borders. And the fifth priority that we have adopted is to harmonize predicate offenses under anti-money laundering legislation. Right now, there are vast differences between countries as to what is, um, what is barred under anti-money laundering legislation. So all countries that cooperate with the Financial Action Task Force should have a common uh, approach to this problem. Fraser called me up uh, or emailed me two or three weeks ago and asked if I wanted to change uh, or, or make any amendments to the title of my talk. And I thought about it and I said, no, the, what I was asked to talk about was plugging the leaks. What I'm talking with you about is not only plugging the leaks out of developing countries, but plugging the receipts into our Western economies. Um, I would hope that the Halifax Initiative would make efforts uh, for, uh, in connection with the coming meetings next year to link the two issues that I've been talking about. Right now, in the G8 and the G20 communiques, the issue of illicit financial flows is on the table, and the issue of the needs of developing countries is on the table. But these two issues have not been linked. They're in opposite ends of the, of the communique. I would urge that these two issues be linked so that we get a clear idea that it is this global shadow financial system that is having substantially harmful impacts on developing countries. Thank you.